0: morning. If we haven't met my name's Gordon. It's good to be here today with you. Um, what do you think of this the chairs? Just got <clears throat> we just well, it's a little half-hearted but right on. okay. Um, <clears throat> this is our first week with the new chairs we had them brought in uh, this week which is great uh, which means that we've come to the end of a campaign. Now listen the campaign was not about chairs. The, cha- the, the campaign was about creating a, a space that's hospitable, hospitable for people to come and encounter the presence of Jesus. And so the chairs are part of that story uh, where we want to be a welcoming space for people to come and to hear about Jesus, to experience Jesus amongst us. So uh, the campaign also wasn't totally about the chairs because we also have another section uh, that is still part of the campaign where we want to set up some seating uh, for like prayer uh, a prayer corner or for a small group to meet in. And uh, so what I need to let you know is we didn't quite reach our goal. We've certainly met our goal for paying for these chairs. Uh, but the extended part of that hasn't quite been met. And in eight days, you won't have an opportunity to contribute to the campaign anymore. So not tomorrow, but the next Monday. We're shutting the, the account down. You can't give to the account after that. And I know some of you have said that you want to give. So I'm just letting you know you've got eight days if you haven't already supported it and you want to. And for the rest of you who've already put in, thank you thank you for being part of this and helping make this place a place uh, that people will feel comfortable to come and to encounter Jesus, I hope. So uh, with that said, with these comfortable chairs, I think that means that you'll be able to endure a much longer sermon today. (laughs) Uh, Or does it work the other way where uh, now they're so comfortable, I have to rush quicker because you might fall asleep. Is that how it works? Okay. Okay. Uh, well, in the first service, somebody said uh, that you know they, it was the second option, and I won't I won't point Eileen out because I don't want to embarrass her. But uh, I said, well, just for that, I'm going three times as long today. So, uh, so so what are we on about now? We've just come through a series on Colossians, and now we're going to do a spirit for three uh, uh, a series for three weeks on the Holy Spirit. So normally, Cornerstone has three locations in Cornwall, Stratford here, and then Montague. And what we do through the year is we stay in sync with the theme. So we all just finished Colossians together. Actually, Cornwall is just finishing today. Uh, But then in the summer months, we kind of do something different that's a little unique to each of our own sites. And so uh, I'll do something different in the summer, but for the next three weeks, I want to focus on the Holy Spirit. And you might wonder why. Why the Holy Spirit? Well, let me explain. When I was younger, um, and I was in high school, junior high, high school, the church that I grew up in started to go through a change. It was an old traditional uh, type of uh, church. It was called First Baptist in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Kind of one of these old stately buildings, you know, very traditional type of worship service. It had one of those, like, incredible organs. I actually quite loved it. You know, they played a lot of the hymns, and they would just, you'd hit the low notes, and the whole building would shake. It was an incredible experience, very powerful. Uh, But the the church began to go through a transition where the music began to change. And that wasn't just simply our church. it It was kind of prominent throughout all churches, really around, where music began, new songs began to be written, songs that were inspired by the Spirit in new ways, and there was sort of a new way of worshiping that was coming more and more to the fore. And around that same time, uh there was a lot of experience, there was there was a movement called the Vineyard Movement, in particular one uh in Toronto at the Toronto Airport Vineyard, uh, where powerful expressions of the Holy Spirit uh began, began happening, and, and people were coming away with stories, and people from all of, over the world would come to the Toronto Airport Vineyard to experience these powerful uh experiences of the Spirit and people would be speaking in tongues people were claiming miraculous healings uh there were stories of a great power and wonder and, and miracles and 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 that dominated my thinking and it caught my attention and the people of my church were wondering what this was all about wanting more of God and looking at experiences like that thinking wow you know could we get some of that here and the worship music began to change. They began doing services about once a month where there would be a, a sort of a newer kind of worship expression, new songs. And I had a guitar teacher. His name was Todd. Todd had long hair, and he looked like a rock star. In fact, he had been one uh, for a long time, and then quite recently had come to faith in Jesus, and had made a big change in his life. But now he was leading songs of worship. At, you know, once a month, he'd be leading these times. And there were new songs that were coming out. In fact, he was even writing them. And I remember one evening uh, going with some of my mentors in the faith to a special concert slash worship service that he was a part of, and they were going to record some of the songs he'd written. And I I watched that evening unfold, and I saw just things that I'd never seen before. I, I saw people just beginning to speak in tongues. People with arms raised starting to shake, and then even falling to the ground, and And people were claiming, again, these miraculous sorts of experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I am not here to say whether or not those were real or not. That's not my point. But my point was to say I found that very strange, sometimes exciting, sometimes just very confusing. And I I bring that up to say my experience of what the Holy Spirit was was more uh, hard to understand than than anything else. For a long time, in fact, I've put some of the perceptions, I think, that many of us might have when we hear the word the Holy Spirit or the name the Holy Spirit. Some of the perceptions we might have is, oh, the Holy Spirit is very spontaneous, or wild, mysterious, maybe even miraculous. Some people, it's it's charged a little more negatively. It's, oh, the Holy Spirit means you're overly emotional. I don't know what your experience has been, uh, but... As I've grown in my own faith and understanding, I've come to see that, yes, the Holy Spirit can be spontaneous from our perspective. I think the Holy Spirit is actually often knows very well what it's doing. And though it seems wild to us, uh, it's working with purpose and intention. And although it's mysterious and we may not understand it, there, there is something going on there and miraculous, certainly. We see stories in Scripture, and I've heard stories even today. But the perceptions we have may be accurate or not, but what we've tended to, or what I tended to experience, was these extraordinary kind of moments. And what happened as a result of that was I didn't really think that the Holy Spirit was for me on an everyday basis. It took a long time for me to begin to understand, no, 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 the Holy Spirit is meant for just ordinary moments in everyday life. The Holy Spirit is actually how we live so important to us as as breath, that we don't think about how often we breathe, we just breathe. And the Holy Spirit is as close and intimate and ordinary as that as well. That we as believers in Jesus need to understand the Spirit because it's life for us. So that's going to be the point of this series. So while I had this perception that um, the Holy Spirit was Spontaneous and wild and mysterious miraculous... For me, I had a sense that the Holy Spirit brings chaos. The people would be shaking and doing spontaneous things that I didn't know about and suddenly someone would be overwhelmed by the Spirit and fall to the ground or start speaking in tongues and those kinds of things. And In fact, what I began to see is, you look in the pages of Scripture, is that the first thing that the Spirit does is it takes a situation of chaos and brings order. When you open the Bible on page 1, Genesis 1 says there's chaos and the Spirit of God comes and brings order to it all, brings form, fills, and pulls it all together into something beautiful. Now I want to start by looking at creation, God's intention for us as human beings, and then I want to look and see what does the Holy Spirit mean for us in Jesus, what do we see in Jesus, and then begin to look at what that means for us, how we live as the church today. And I want to take you to a, a verse of Scripture here in Job 33.4. It's possible that Job is actually one of the oldest books in the Bible. And here we read these words. It's kind of this typical idea of what humanity is. For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So the Spirit creates, shapes, makes, molds, enlivens us. The breath of the Almighty, which is to say the Spirit gives me life. Now, uh, as I understand it, the word for spirit in the Old Testament is ruach, wind, breath, spirit. All three of those things are held within that one word. And so what we're seeing is the Spirit of God makes us, and the breath, the Spirit of the Almighty, gives us life. Now, this is the language that we read in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1, uh, 27, it says that we are made humans in the image of God men women both we are made in the image of God that means that we are meant to represent the character of God in the world and we are meant to experience and to practice the activity of God in the world to work for his purposes in Genesis 2 verse 4 it describes that a little bit more intimately the forming of human beings and what it says is God takes together the dirt of the ground and breathes into the nostrils of what he's created breath, spirit, and gives life to this lifeless dirt and humans come alive. We are meant to be the image of God, which means we live by the spirit, the breath of God. We live by the power of God to represent God's character and God's activity in the world. And so this is the understanding in scripture of what we are meant to be as human beings. We are meant to be the image of God. We are meant to be filled by the spirit of God, powered by, energized by the spirit of God. Now, I, uh, I've told this story before for other purposes, but uh, I'll say it again. I, I had some friends a number of years ago uh, moved here to Charlottesville from Bhutan, and they had a minivan, and they were going to fill it up for gas, and the first time you know that they had this thing, and they thought, well, you know, let's let's go for the cheapest gas that there is because they didn't have a lot of money. So they looked at the pump and they they saw, oh, diesel is way less expensive than filled up the tank, just so proud of themselves they got a good deal. And of course, diesel doesn't work. It destroyed the vehicle. They immediately take it in for repair. We were meant to be fueled by, to live by the Spirit of God. And yet, in sin... We've turned away. We've tried to live in our own power, do our own thing, do it our own way. It doesn't work. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus comes. Jesus shows us a new way, how we were meant to be in the first place, but he makes it possible for us to live in a new way, to be healed, to be restored. So We're going to look at Jesus because we've been saying through Colossians that Jesus is the image of God. Jesus shows us what it's like to be truly human. Jesus shows us what God's intention and his design for us was. Jesus also makes it possible for us to live out that image and to be made new. And so now let's look at Jesus. And we're going to go through Luke, because Luke has the special particular emphasis on the work of the Spirit in Jesus' life. And we're going to look at what Jesus and the Holy Spirit together show us for how we are meant to live as humans in relation to the Spirit. Luke 1.35. Now this is the moment where Jesus um, has not yet been born, and Mary, his mother, is being told by an angel that she's going to give birth to a son. She says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. See, at the beginning of Jesus' life is his conception, and it's, brought about by the work of the Spirit. The Spirit brings life, new life, and brings a birth. We're going to go quickly through these next four verses as it just kind of gives us an understanding of the life of Jesus and what it means in the Spirit. In Luke 3.21, the very first thing that we see Jesus do publicly, Jesus has not yet begun his ministry, and he goes to be baptized. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Maybe some of you have been hanging on, wondering whether or not you should be baptized. Well, if it was good enough for Jesus, I submit to you that perhaps you should take a page out of his book and be baptized as well. So Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove. That's why the title slide we saw had a picture of a dove. So the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. There's many beautiful things about this, but one of the things that I quite like is that Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Jesus has not yet begun his ministry, and already he has the Father's approval and love. And what for us is a great message, I've said this before, it's a great reminder for us that we don't earn God's favor. That God loves us already. And that in Christ, we are his dearly loved child who brings God great joy. He delights in us. He loves us. That's what we see in Jesus, that Jesus' identity is made clear by the work of the Holy Spirit and the Father's voice together, bringing about that clarity of who Jesus is. So the Holy Spirit comes. uh, the, The three persons of the Trinity are evident in this moment. But then immediately after he's baptized, something else happens. Jesus is immediately led by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, which is to say that Jesus himself was led by the Spirit. Jesus himself was guided by the Spirit. And again, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. So the Holy Spirit leads and guides even Jesus. And what he leads Jesus into is a moment, actually, of temptation, where he's fasting and praying, and he is tempted by the evil one. And the Spirit leads him through that time. Now, when he finishes that moment of testing, Jesus uh, goes out. Let's go to the next slide. In 4.18, well, a little further on. So what happens is, immediately, Jesus leaves the wilderness, and he goes to the synagogue to read scripture. Why? Because it says it was his usual habit to attend synagogue, And he obviously went enough that he was on the schedule to read Scripture. So Jesus was a faithful attender. He regularly had a discipline of attending synagogue and being part of the life of that community. And when he gets up to read the Scripture, he he begins the Scripture reading for the day, which is from Isaiah. And he's reading the Scripture, and it becomes apparent in Jesus' reading that this isn't simply a reading from Isaiah. it's, It's a prophecy about Jesus, And what Jesus is saying is being fulfilled in his own reading, in his own presence that day. And Jesus quotes this from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So this is couched in the language of the Spirit once again. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. See, the Spirit brings good news. The Spirit is empowering Jesus to accomplish His mission. And His mission is to bring good news to those who are marginalized, oppressed, who are apart from God. The Spirit of the Lord empowers Jesus for ministry in the ministry of the good news. Wonderful. Well, We go further on, and now this is now just the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. I'm not going to go deeper into it. Jesus has more to say about the Spirit. We're not going to get into all of that today. But after Jesus is taught, and then he has been actually killed, he is raised. And after he is raised, he comes back to his disciples, who have seen his ministry up close and personal. They've seen him living by, ministering by the Spirit of God and he says these words to them. Remember, he said that he was going to die. He did die. He said that he was going to be raised, and he was raised. And now he says this to them. Now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Can you imagine what that would feel like in that moment? they have witnessed this incredible miracle that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. Jesus said that would happen, and then it did. And now Jesus is saying something will happen. He's saying that the same spirit that he had, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, that incredible power is now going to be theirs. That incredible power that he has been Uh, demonstrating to them, and now they've seen evidence for in his resurrection from the dead. That same power will fill them with power. You can imagine they are excited to see what happens next. You can imagine that they are praying for this moment. They're eagerly anticipating what Jesus has promised. They've seen a miracle that's astounded them, that's given them incredible wonder, and they are waiting for all the more. If this was what happened with the Holy Spirit working in Jesus, what would happen if all of Jesus' followers had the Spirit? What miracles would God produce? What wonders? Well, in the same, uh, the same type of moment after Jesus is raised from the dead, he has another moment with his disciples, and he, he does something which should look familiar to us. Now, I'm going to flip to John here in John chapter 20, verse 22. In one of these moments where he's speaking to them, and explaining to them that they have been sent on a mission just like he was, he then does this. He breathes. (sighs) He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. What we're seeing is what we saw in Genesis. How God breathes his life, his spirit into us to energize us, to bring vitality and wholeness at life. Jesus now does to say, You are being made new. You are going to live not by your own power, but by the same power that rose me from the dead. You are now going to be able to live the way you were intended by the Spirit of God, the power of God alive in you. He breathes on them as a reminder of the very beginnings of humanity. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so they're waiting with anticipation What will this be like? What will happen? What will they do next? What has Jesus promised and how will it be fulfilled? In Acts chapter 1, as Acts begin, Luke continues on the story from his gospel. Then we see that Jesus there again is saying, you know, stay here in the city. I'm going to send the Spirit. There's going to be power for you. And you're going to go to the ends of the earth proclaiming this. And then they're gathering and praying. Men, women, all the disciples, they're gathering and praying, gathering and praying. And they're preparing and anticipating and waiting for God to work and move and for the spirit that Jesus promised to arrive. And then it does. On another holy day called Pentecost, which celebrated the sending of the law, now God sends all the more his spirit. And as they're meeting to pray and they're looking and they're waiting and anticipating what God will do, suddenly the the room that they're meeting in and praying in is shaking by the wind. (sighs) And over top of people's heads, it seems like fire. And there's this new power in them. And they begin spilling out into the streets. And they're talking about Jesus and declaring praises to God for what God has done. And they're speaking in a multiplicity of languages. Some of them have never even spoken in those languages. before. Can you imagine? They're spilling out into the streets. It seems like chaos, but actually what's happening is something beautiful. And as they spill out into the streets, they're speaking new languages, declaring truth about Jesus and the story of God and what God has done. And they're giving... Can you imagine if suddenly I started speaking in Italian? Or suddenly I started going out and, and William starts speaking French. I don't know if you speak French or not. No, see? And all of a sudden he's speaking in this new language. But it's not unintelligible It's meaningful. And people are around that understand what he's saying. And someone comes and is speaking Korean. Someone is speaking Ubuntu. Someone is speaking uh, the languages that you and I might not understand, but someone else does. And people are hearing this and wondering, what in the world is going on? Are these people drunk? And then Peter one of Jesus' closest disciples, and yet the one who would betray him, Jesus, restores him, and Peter stands up in this moment, and he begins to offer an explanation of what's happening. And Peter says, these people aren't drunk. It's only 9 a.m. And I'm sure there's some guy in the back saying, well, it's not too early for me. But he says, you're not just seeing chaos. You're not seeing people that are out of control. What you're seeing is people who are now controlled by the Holy Spirit. And God is doing something powerful here amongst you. There's men, women that are speaking and prophesying in all these different languages declaring the truth about Jesus. And what they're seeing is something that had been predicted a long time ago by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And Peter says, let me read some scripture from you. And he pulls out Joel and he says, this is, what you're seeing here now is what was promised a long time ago. And here's what he reads from Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And he said, you're seeing young people, you're seeing old people, you're seeing men, you're seeing women, you're seeing all kinds of people now speaking based on the spirit of God. And then Peter says this, quoting from, um, well, he's no longer quoting Joel. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour it upon us, just as you see and hear today. And Peter is explaining to them what the wonder is that they're seeing right in front of their own eyes. And he's saying God's poured out his Spirit upon us. We can now live in a new way. God's breath is in us, and we have a new life, a new power. Now, I'll mention here, since we're here as well, what's interesting to me about this is that when the Spirit of God is empowering all of these people, it draws attention to the person of Jesus. And some of the experiences that I had uh, that were supposedly, and I won't say whether or not, it's not for me to say, but some of the experiences I had with the Holy Spirit, it didn't really point me towards Jesus. It just left me feeling confused or wondering. And I think when we, we see the Spirit of God at work, it's definitely going to lead us towards Jesus in some way. And so that's what happens here in this moment. But as Peter says all this, and people are looking at Jesus, they say, oh my goodness, this is amazing what you're seeing. There's so much hope and there's so much promise for everybody here. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for men that get in on this. It's for everybody. Rich, poor, young, old, men, women, everybody gets in on this. That's incredible. How do we get to be part of this? And then Peter says, here's what you need to do. You need to repent, to turn from your ways, and turn back to God. And as you turn to Jesus, you need to be baptized as he was baptized and to follow him. And so people began responding in droves. This is a powerful moment. This is day one of the church. Their first day, opening day. And 3,000 people say, I'm in. And they get baptized. That's a good day. That's a good day for any church. We are well past day one here in Cornerstone Stratford, but I'm still looking for a day where we have 3,000 people who respond to Jesus in that way. I'd be happy if it even came across over, you know, I'll take over 100 days. If 1,000 people came to Jesus, I'd be happy. Okay, even 300 days. Well, let's not get into the numbers. But there's this incredible experience of the Spirit of God leading people to Jesus, And they begin living in a new way because the Spirit is forming them into a new kind of way of living. It's forming them into community. They start meeting together. They talk about Jesus. They talk about the teaching of the apostles. They start sharing their meals with one another and praying and participating in the Lord's Supper. They start spending their money on other people who are in need. And they show generosity. They even sell things that they own. And that's what the Spirit is producing in them. It's new life. It's not chaotic. It's beautiful. It's allowing people who are broken to be healed, who are excluded to be included, who are far away from God to come near to God. This is a beautiful thing that's happening. This is what the Spirit of God does. As the church grows and is formed around the person of Jesus later, uh, we'll hear uh, Paul reflect on what happened here as he's writing to Titus. He writes this, When God, our Savior, (coughs) revealed his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, through Jesus, the Jesus that we've been hearing all through Colossians is above all and first in everything. Through Jesus, we receive His Spirit to live out this new birth, to have a new start, to have a new life, a new life that's shaped and holy and good and whole because of what Jesus is doing and what the Spirit is doing in us. We have a new birth and a new life. So now I want to talk about what it means to live by the Spirit. If that's our goal, how do we live by the Spirit if we're meant to be empowered by, to live by the Spirit of God in ordinary ways? Well, it means first and foremost, we have to have that new birth. We have to experience that new life. We have to repent of doing things our our own way. We have to stop running on diesel. We have to let the engine be repaired and replaced. We need to have the new birth, the new life that only Jesus offers and that the Spirit begins to work in us. Just as Jesus was born of the Spirit, we need to be born of the Spirit to have new life breathed into us. We have to turn to Jesus, to turn from our ways and to turn to the way of Jesus. We also, living by the Spirit means that we live out of that new identity that we have, that identity as children of God. We hear about that in Romans 8, which was read earlier. We live out of that identity that says, You are my beloved child, and I love you, I take joy in you. Just as Jesus has heard those words pronounced over him, that's what we live out of too. You aren't just some forgotten person, someone alone, cast aside, little old you. No, you are a child of the king of the universe. And the incredible good news is that God notices you, knows you, loves you, adores you, and wanted to be intimately involved in your life as close as a breath. You have this identity that you must live out of. That's who I am. I am a child of God. I am beloved. And when we live out of that new identity, we also live by the Spirit, by listening for the Spirit's leading. That means the choices that we make, the way that we live, is based on the leading of the Spirit. Now that's a longer conversation. We're going to get into it later. In a moment I'll say just a couple of things that help us learn how to do that, how to listen for the leading of the Spirit. But we need to be guided by the Spirit in the way that we now live. We live in a new way. Not our way, the way of Jesus. And the Spirit helps us do that. So just as Jesus was led into the wilderness, we follow the leading of the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads us. And then, just as Jesus was empowered for ministry and given a message of good news for people all over, we recognize that he gives us power to do what we were always intended to do. Genesis says we were meant to cultivate the world and to make it uh, to be fruitful, to be multiplying, and to make something beautiful, reflective of God's own character and activity in the world. We are meant to cultivate the world into a greater beauty and greater thing. And so wherever we see brokenness, we show up by the Spirit and try to bring the healing of Jesus see something ugly or unjust, we respond with justice and kindness and grace and mercy. We make up the difference. We show up and we fill the gaps. We take broken things and try to make them whole in the name of Jesus. Where there's people that are lonely and excluded, we welcome them in the community, into life. Where people that are hungry, we feed them. Where people that are isolated in prison or a prison of their own mind or struggling with mental illness, we show up and we show presence. When someone is thirsty and dry and feeling empty and broken, we show up and offer a cup of cold water in the soothing presence of the life of Jesus. See, what we are meant to do is we are meant to bring about beauty in the world, to make something beautiful, just as God had done. And the Holy Spirit allows us to do that. See, it's not just about me getting up here and preaching, and that's some powerful, extraordinary moment once during a week. No, it's about you showing up into your place of work and showing kindness to the person who's overlooked, It's about you showing up at your kid's school and helping deal with something like Kits of Kindness that provides food for a kid that's going hungry. It's encouraging a teacher that's discouraged because they feel like they didn't make a difference this year. It's showing up to that friend or family member who's feeling broken and hurting or maybe struggling with addiction and saying, you can do this, I'm here with you, we'll get through this together. Showing up in those ordinary moments, not the extraordinary ones, is where the Holy Spirit wants to use you for ministry and for life and to make something beautiful. Those are the ordinary, everyday, powerful things that the Spirit of God wants to do through you. You don't need to go to another part of the world, you just need to let the Spirit of God deal with you where you are and bring about beauty. And that's empowered ministry, living by the Spirit. We live in a new way. So we're going to be talking about what those resources are that we have to be able to do that. And two of the resources that we have is To live by the Spirit, well, we lean into the resources of the Spirit, which is the Spirit-filled word, which is Scripture. So where do we find, where do we lean into the Spirit? We lean into the Spirit through Scripture. We listen to those words. We allow the words of Jesus to shape us and the Spirit to speak to us, to lead us. We also lean into the great resource of the Spirit, which is the church, the Spirit-filled community just to shape those early believers, those 3,000 that came to faith. We lean into community with one another. Not because we're perfect and we have it all figured out, but together we're going to figure out how the Spirit is guiding us, leading us into life. And we'll do ministry together. Now, over the next two weeks, I'm going to, I hope I've left enough of you just wondering, well, where do we go with all this? I want to hear a little bit more. And over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how the Spirit of God shapes our character, and then shapes our activity, the character of God, the character of Jesus within us, but the activity of God and the purposes of God in the world as well and how we live and build us up by the Spirit. Those are the things we're going to lean into. Uh, That's that's really our, our message for today. Can you imagine what it would be like if each of us, if each of us felt the fullness of God within us? That if every day we woke up with a sense of vitality, that wasn't from us, wasn't because we had good nutrition, wasn't because we exercised, but it was because the Spirit of God was alive within us and it was giving us all that we really needed. What would it be like if we felt that strength and empowerment when we ourselves are recognizing our brokenness? What would it be like if we had that sense of power and hope within us alive by the truth of Jesus? What would it be like if that shaped how we lived? How would that impact the people in our neighborhoods, the community around us? What kind of difference would that make in the world where you live? If we were really living by the Spirit, I think it would be beautiful. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll lean into that more. Let's just pray together, and then the worship team will lead us in another song. Jesus, we thank you that you give us your Spirit a spirit that produces new life, a new birth that we can live out of, a new start. Thank you that your spirit gives us that new identity as a child of God, that we can live out of that rather than the past and the sin and the failure that we've experienced already, but that we live out of that identity that you have given to us. Thank you that we can be led by you through your spirit and you can lead us into life. And thank you that you empower us to make something beautiful in the world, to produce great ministry and work that cultivates the goodness that you always intended for your creation. Now, Jesus, by your Spirit's filling within us, would you allow us to know the life that comes from you and you alone, the life that you desired for us in the beginning and made possible in your coming and in your resurrection. And as you begin to make all things new, would you do that in us today as the wind of your Spirit breathes upon us and through the rushing power of that life-giving force, we would know your fullness, your joy, and your delight and that the world would see you and hear you proclaim through us. In the wonderful name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, we celebrate you, God, above all else today. Amen.